Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello, welcome to the Arrowhead Addict Podcast. I am slowly lowering the lights in my studio here to prepare for my darkness treat that I will enter into when this podcast is said and done. I got a date with Aaron Rodgers. Sterling, how are you doing in the midst of uh, all this like Super Bowl, the pomp, the circumstance, the Donna Kelsey, everything going on? Uh, it's good to see you, my friend. How are you? Dude, it's incredible. Again, I, I know we're probably being sentimental and it's stuff that folks have, have heard before, but it's one of these situations where I never thought we would be here. Everyone around our age or older, this is a new feeling for us. It was always someone else, but now it's us. We are the team that is on top, and it feels so damn good when every Monday is Victory Monday, when you don't have the entire offseason to think about what could have gone differently? What could have happened that made this season a success? Well, guess what? This season was a success. And for a multitude of reasons, not only did the Chiefs pull the teeth, say, Tyreek Hill, we're not bringing you back too much money. We have a line. We're not crossing it. Tyron Matthew, the vocal leader of the defense, saying, you know what? Time to move on. Let's get younger and faster. They did that with Mahomes no longer on a rookie contract and came home with the super and the hardware. It's incredible. It's what a, it's a great feeling, man. I'm obviously excited, as you can tell. I just did not think it was going to happen this year. It doesn't happen in retooling years. This was supposed to be a, a step back. It yeah. was a step forward. Yeah, I'm. Yeah. I am thrilled. How are you? I'm. You know, I'm. I'm. I'm good, man. I'm good. It, it's occurring to me, like I was watching NFL news, and and, and maybe uh, I was watching NFL news trickle in. Tell me what you think of this, right? I'm watching NFL news trickle in this afternoon. The, the Las Vegas Raiders, it takes you even a minute to get the city right because they've moved so many times because no one wants them. So the the, the, the foster child Las Vegas Raiders of the NFL, um, they just got rid of Derek Carr and put out a statement, and now there's that whole – that's what they're in the middle of right now. The Indianapolis Colts just completed uh, – it, it took longer – 
for them to find a head coach than Carmen San Diego to be located. Uh, <laughs> and they finally got their guy. They finally got their guy. And they gave him a six-year deal. So, you know, they're ho- they're clinging their hope to something, and that's their offseason. The Raider going, we hope that we can find someone other than Derek Carr, and that's our offseason. Our offseason is, can Juju Smith-Schuster put out a Valentine that makes fun of the Eagles or not? Like, like we're in such we're in such rare territory that the biggest offseason drama for the Chiefs is going to be about whether we win classy or not and how much trash talk. Like, just think for a second, every offseason, what you used to spend your time going, oh, my gosh, if we could just get that guy, if we could just draft that guy, if we could just trade for that guy, if we could just sign that guy. And now it's like, hey, we just won. I just let all my kids loose. And- we still won and uh and so now my major concern is can my wide receivers keep it classy enough that the entire nfl doesn't hit us by the time we suit up again there's it's it's really just amazing it's just amazing it's really it is amazing and speaking of amazing let's talk about our amazing sponsor and someone that makes amazing beer kc beer company it's been a pleasure to work with them all season long, helping brew our own beer in collaboration with us at Arrowhead Addict, Arrow Red Lager. Thanks to all of you guys. It was a massive, massive success. And now on tap, Big Red. For a limited time only, they have a specialty beer that was brewed from the makings of ours into something even more special, Big Red. Uh, but it's Air Red Lager. It was a blast to do this with you guys. You guys were all so grateful and gracious. I mean, seriously, you guys made them sell out twice. Not once, but twice. And anytime you guys posted about it, you tagged us in it and tagged them in it, that means the world to us being obviously a local podcast, local sponsor with them. It, it just helps the Kansas City community. So thank you guys. Thank you to Casey Beerco and Dare to Beer Different. Yeah, yeah. Hey, let, let me just add something onto that because um, Sterling always does what we call the beer read. We both we both love it. We all love it. But um, when we had the chance to go out there, I guess I just wanted to also add how, like, Katie, everyone, the whole team there was so nice. The product is so good. You guys have been so great about helping to support us. I, I don't know. It, it just – it's like the perfect marriage. I Like, I'm sure some things end, whatever, you know, but – as long as we can have this sponsorship, I, I like, I love Casey beer. I know you love Casey beer. It, it really is something else. And, and y'all have been so great about helping. And I just, Sterling, I'm feeling so grateful. I'm just feeling so <laughs> like, like my mood, my mood right now is that I'm on a lazy river. Like I'm at, like I'm at the water park and now I'm just floating in that lazy river, just going along and I'm pointing at different people in their inner tubes. I'm like, and I love you, and I love you. I love you and Richard. I love these fans. I love Casey Beer. I love the Chiefs. I love the Eagles. I love the Cincinnati Bengals and their whoa, whoa, class. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> and their classless chili and their and their ass players, or maybe it's ass chili and classless players. Whatever. By the way, when it comes to the Bengals you could take any adjective and just use them synonymously with either chili and the players. You just interchangeable, just interchangeable. Anyway, I love it all. I love you guys. I'm feeling so good. It's just great. 
Let's, I, I will so, also, so, really quickly, I'll also say, I think the Bengals fans have been more upset about the refs than Eagles fans. Eagles fans and the players themselves have been so classy. Nick Sirianni, uh, Jalen Hurts, Jason Kelsey, Bradbury, Brandon Graham. They've been so classy. Hassan Reddick saying, you know what? You know, both teams played on this field. That was that was shitty. That's, both teams did it. And then you have, well, you know, one call doesn't determine the game. It was a hold. And guess what? We should have not let that be the only thing that we look back on. So – Nothing against them. They mispronounce water as water, and they don't know what a noun is, calling it a John. But besides that, there's nothing against them. Like, good for them. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. But let's get into, let's get into this. What did this Super Bowl win mean for you as a fan? <clears throat> yeah, that's a great, that's a great question. I, you know, you were talking about earlier, and I think, you know, look, this has been repeated ad nauseum that, that hey, newer fans are so used to winning. You know, like the, the Chiefs have been in the playoffs nine of the last 10 years. So if you're a younger fan, if you're a younger fan and we're even like 10 or 12 when Andy Reid was hired, all you know is this wonderful run of of success. And, and maybe you've heard of, of some whatever. There's something about when you've been through the muck and the mire to appreciate something on the other side, right? Like, like you appreciate the job when you've had to search for a job for a long time. You appreciate the, 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 the anniversary when your marriage has been through the ringer. You, you know, you, you appreciate the, the good things when you've come through the hard times and there, and when you like, I don't want to overstate it because it's, it's sports and it's fun and it's extracurricular for our lives. But the reality is when you watch like Tyler Palco, when you watch Brody Croyle, when you've hung your hat on a Kyle Orton acquisition, when you've tried your best to think that Matt Castle really was a Pro Bowl worthy quarterback. And then you go back before that for decades. Um, you know, there's just something so beautiful about seeing these guys Hoist Lombardi. And I'll say this. These guys are so freaking lovable. Like, 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 like who can't root for – I'm watching Patrick Mahomes on Jimmy Kimmel and just doing this, like, interview. He's just this everyman sort of interview, and he's so charming. And, and uh, you know, it's the Kelsey brothers and watching their emotion in the moment and, and hugging, the, hugging their mom and realizing that this thing is, like, never going to happen again like this and how fleeting it all is. And it's, it's watching Juju among the confetti, just going, this is what I came here for. It, it's all of that, man. It's, it's Chris Jones putting his two kids, uh, you know, on the broadcast and letting them be interviewed too and saying uh, two Super Bowls. And I mean, you know, it's like, they feel like a part of our family. It feels like a, like Chiefs Kingdom feels like a family. And when you can celebrate on this level, it just, it feels like you're a part of something. It feels like we're a part of something. Yeah. And I don't know, in these divided times in, in, in COVID where we're just all in this cloud of confusion or whatever, 
to have something that brings us together like this, that makes it like we're a part of, of something bigger and better and, and beautiful. I think that's worth something. And, uh, and I'm happy to be here. Yeah. Yeah. The second one was brings us closer together. The the first one I think brought us together. And, and I think the first Super Bowl has a lot of the same mantra that you're speaking from, but maybe it's because the discord channel, maybe because we have this podcast up and running more, but it is more noticeable. The you put political differences aside, you put different backgrounds aside, whatever it is, we're all one. And we all have the same interest in our, in our heart, the same desire. And that's to see the chiefs win a super bowl. And that's what makes sports so great. Whether it's rooting for DeMar Hamlin scene, you, you know, you, you go from this disaster, potential disaster, you go from tragedy to triumph. That's what sports and football really is. And we saw it firsthand with the Chiefs as well. We saw a Chiefs team that was doubted. We saw a fan base that was saying, hey, whoa, why is everyone crowning someone else instead of Mahomes? Why is everyone crowning the Bills as the next best team? And then the Chiefs rise up like a phoenix from the ashes saying, no, we're still here. We're not done. But the fan base was always behind them, always backing them. Even if we, who sometimes, I'll admit, we try to take our the most non-homer approach. I know we do this show and we're obviously Chiefs fans, but even when I do stacking the box with Matt Vergram, for example, we try to take a most unbiased approach as we possibly can. And I know myself personally, I thought the Bills this year might have been the better team. They weren't. The Chiefs proved me wrong. And that's what makes it so great is, is this lovable community, a lovable team like you mentioned with Patrick Mahomes, Kansas City, heart of America, you know, barbecue. It's not the, the East Coast. We're not talking about New York. We're not talking about California. We're talking about in our backyard. Um, it's just so impressive. It's so fun. And for me, the second one really is the legacy. This is what we're in talking about now. Once you get one, that was the monkey off the back. That was the we can do this. But now this is the legacy the legacy of Patrick Mahomes, the legacy of Andy Reid. Is he now a top five head coach all time? The, the legacy of, is this a dynasty? I mean, you at least have the, the makings of a mini dynasty, two Super Bowls. You've been to three, five straight AFC championship games. You hosted all five. I mean, we're now talking about legacy, and that's what makes it so incredible. That's what that second one is for me. So yeah. Yeah. I just put this, putting everything into perspective, man, we, we are grateful and lucky to be here. It's so fun. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm totally with you. I I, th- I think it is a legacy. Or, I'm sorry. I think it is a dynasty. I think I think we're there already. We don't need to we don't need to mince words. When you when you're in three of the four Super Bowls, when it go when the road can now be paved in the AFC, then it goes through you. Um, like it's not like it's not a newly settled road. It's like a well established road goes through Kansas City to get to the Super Bowl. I I think that's dynasty territory. I think it's great. And, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, I love what it does for allowing others to enter in and create a community around all of this. I do um, think J.D. Ayers has a great comment. This is a phenomenal comment. Kansas City as a city does a fantastic job meshing the sports culture with the city culture. That's a huge part of it, I think, as well. And that's a really good point. Kansas City, if you live here, not everyone, obviously, but you're a Chiefs fan. You're a Royals fan. It's ingrained in the city. You don't have a ton of, I feel like at least personally, you don't have a ton of, um, let's just say you live in Kansas City. You don't have a ton of people who are Cowboys fans. You don't have a huge plethora of people who are Steelers fans. If you're in Kansas City, for the most part, you're a Chiefs fan. 
It's ingrained in the culture and they do a good job meshing that together. Like Las Vegas with the Raiders. Do they do that? No. The Rams just won a Super Bowl last year. That wasn't ingrained in the culture. The city didn't really care. Same thing with the Chargers. It, it takes a lot for a city and a sports team to be synonymous with each other. And when you think Chiefs, you think Kansas City. When you think Kansas City, you think Chiefs. When you think yeah. L.A., the Rams or the Chargers might be the 7th, 8th, 20th thing you think of. It's incredible. Yeah, uh, you're totally right. It's that perfect blend of, like, market size, great team, long-established identity, the Hunt family being so entrenched. There's just so many good things going on there. Um, I think you're totally right. Uh, let, let's get into some of this. Um Let's 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 uh, talk a little bit more about the Super Bowl. But I, I know we also want to talk. We're going to talk about. Um, we're going to hand out some postseason hardware um, for the Chiefs. Talk about the season. Talk about uh, like kind of reflect on that as well. Um, as well as an addition of buy sell. We'll get to all this in a second. But uh, Sterling, I wanted to ask you, like when you look back at the Super Bowl, I want to do some shout outs here. Like, what players' contributions would you say? are still being overlooked in the aftermath of Super Bowl 57. Mm. I, I don't want to say Nick Bolton because Nick Bolton's getting his love, right? I think Nick Bolton deservedly is getting his love, and we'll talk more about Nick Bolton later on. But I think Willie Gay Jr. has not been getting enough love because it wasn't mm. just Nick Bolton. You know, M-I-Z, I, I'm massive Nick Bolton guy, but Willie Gay Jr. really stepped up in this one. We had questions about him all season long. If there was a player who maybe had a – down season from expectations, it may have been Willie Gay Jr. That was not the case in the Super Bowl. He did a great job of recognizing plays, being the Robin to Nick Bolton's Batman. Uh, he made a huge play that that forced the three and out. That really was the tide turning in that game, not coming directly at Jalen Hurts, a veteran move that I gave credit to Carlos Dunlap actually earlier on in the season against Russell Wilson. I don't know if that translated at all, but we saw Willie Gay Jr. do the same thing. Not get beat so Hurts could get around him. You stay in the passing lane until eventually Hurts has to throw the rock out of bounds. Willie yeah. Gay Jr., in my opinion, needs a little more credit for what transpired in this game. Yeah, you're right. I, he's not someone I even really thought about or heard about so much whenever there's so many other things to talk about. I, I'd love to stay in the linebackers. Leo Chanel, right? Mm. They're, like, that guy – he plays early, he plays in early downs, He's he's, but he's playing more. Everyone's talking about this uh, Chiefs draft class, right? Like McDuffie, Karloff, this up top. The seventh round finds like Pacheco and Jalen Watson. And there in the middle, there were a couple of guys that just really never played too much. Darian Kennard, fifth round. Um, and then third round, Leo Chennault, as he is going to grow into maybe a greater role there. The dude played way more in the Super Bowl than I thought he was going to play. Had some great pursuit on some runs that that really kind of stifled the Eagles at key times. I, what I'm seeing from him makes me think, oh my gosh, if they can add another contributor from this draft class who didn't even really surface this season. I mean, we're you know we're all excited to see more of Sky Moore, to see more of Brian Cook, you know all the all all the defensive backs, whatever. Uh, but if Leo can also step in there and be a third productive linebacker with Bolton and Gay, 
and not just a two-man show with a precipice that drops off after that. That's huge for the Chiefs offseason, who may, go have, may have had to look for a linebacker if, if he was not. I, I just thought it was great. So, yeah, I, I thought that was something worth talking about. Anyone on the offensive side stand out to you as being overlooked, or do you feel like, no, everyone's gotten their due? Uh, offensive line, and again, we'll probably talk more about them in a little bit, but offensive line's gotten their due. Patrick Mahomes has gotten his due. Um, Kadarius Tony, special team-wise, has gotten his due. Travis Kelsey, especially the first drive, got his due. It, it's really tough in the Super Bowl when we, we've, we've analyzed it so much. I, I think yeah. one of the main storylines, not offensively, but in general, is the coaching staff. We've talked about Andy Reid, but I want to give Steve Spagnuolo a little credit as well. His defense was getting run through in the first half. I mean, it was bad. No, no ifs, ands, or buts around it. But the second half, they really shored it up. And that was huge. Steve Spagnuolo has been known as a big game coordinator. He has been. He's been known as a big game coordinator. That's why you bring Steve Spagnuolo in for the experience and what he does in big games. Second half, he adjusted. Yeah. And it was a great turn of events. I think Spags needs some more credit for the turnaround in the second half. Andy Reid has had his best coached half in his entire career. Josh Briscoe came up with a really fun stat. I believe this is what he said. It was 230 possible yards offensively for Kansas City they could have gained in the second half. They gained two, uh, 228 because Jerry McKinnon went down to the two-yard line. And then, obviously, they had the, the kneel down, so they lost some. But they yeah. were perfect in the second yeah. half. The play calls were perfect. They bled the clock out. The, the time management from Andy Reid, which has always been a concern throughout his career, they were non-existent. He was outstanding. Even the challenge flag he threw, I think we all thought it was the right time to challenge. Mm-hmm. I have no qualms with Andy Reid in this game, even the fourth and three. I know fans are upset and they said he probably should have gone for or probably should have went for it. I don't disagree, but I think it was on the fins. I, I don't hate it because we know the result now, so of course it looks bad. But you're trying to get Harrison Bucker some confidence in a game in a stadium where he got injured. Yeah, That's what they were trying to do, in my opinion. Hey, get some points on the board and give Harrison some confidence because he got injured here week one. Different field, I know, but it looked like the same field to me. Yeah, didn't work yeah. out, but I think the coaching staff needs way more credit. Totally. Well said. I, I, I wrote this earlier. The, the the Philadelphia Eagles defense was being talked about more than than a vegan will tell you they're vegan, right? And and yet after all that, what we saw was nothing happening. I mean, the Chiefs just the Chiefs just went all over them. Um, like we ran ran the ball at will. What like six point one yards a carry? When you average over a half a first down just running the ball, Mahomes. Uh, was threading the needle, just looked great in the second half. Yeah, the, the Chiefs did offensively whatever they wanted to do in that second half. The adjustments were incredible. I said before the game to you that if I have to go with the first-year head coach and his staff or a sideline that had like three former head co- or two former head coaches, a Hall of Fame head coach, and a head coach in waiting like Eric Bieniemy. I'm going with the Chiefs in that, and I think that showed exactly what you were talking about uh, right there. 
Uh, um, I want to give a shout out to Angry Drunken German. Thank you for this uh, super chat, my guy. You have been incredible. You've hung with us all season long. Uh, our YouTube and our comments and, and Discord and just everything regarding Chiefs football would not be the same without you. So thank you, man. Appreciate it. He says, around on me. Been a great year. Never thought I'd say this, but man, AA was fun this year. Yeah, it was fun. It, it was fun. Sterling, you're fun. Dude, you know how much fun I have doing this show with you. We have so many bad puns. If I do it's these old. bad puns with Verderam, he just gets angry. You and I, we get very punny together. You know what's funny about Verderam? Let's talk about Matt Verderam for a while here. Not really, but let me, I'll just say this <laughs> that I will try because I'll think, man, Matt Verderam hates me and my entire family for some reason, even though we're friends. He'll tell you we're friends. But also, are we? Right? So you say a pun. And you, look, you say a pun. You say a pun, and he looks at you like, uh-oh. It's like, a, it's like I just insulted Chris Jones from across the line of scrimmage, and he's going to come at me. <laughs> and then you think, all right, let me try to make this even better. And so then I try to get, like, real lovable. I'm like, oh, let me, like, say something sentimental. And then he looks at me like I'm even stupider than I was when I said <laughs> the pun. And it's like. I don't know how to communicate here. Well, you got to tell him to kick rocks, and then all of a sudden he loves you. Uh, that's, yeah, what you so. yeah, that's what you got to do. That's what you got to do, man. He's a New York guy. So. Come on. My uh, my my job is to figure out how to get a full hug from Matt Verderam some point in 2023. That's that's my goal. I don't know what yours is, but I'm aiming high. I'm aiming high in 2023. The challenge is on, Matt Verderam. I know you're probably not even listening because you don't even like me, but I'm telling you now – I'm getting, I'm getting that hug, Matt Verderam. I'm getting it. Uh, Matt Connor knows that uh, I gave you a big hug the second we met. First thing that happened, I, I, I just jumped right into Matt Connor's arms, gave him a big old bear hug, the cocaine bear himself. Yeah, I deny, <laughs> I deny all that. Uh, hey, let's uh, let's hand it. Uh, wait, a couple more, couple more Super Bowl points, right? I I think that I think this is important. And I don't know how much you've already talked about this elsewhere, but to me, this team winning this Super Bowl, Sterling, go through the list of names of of kids who are now going to have a long, successful postseason experience in their resume, right? Like they they say, they say you draft for the following year. So this entire draft class was really for 23, every bit of it. You hope that George Karloftis got some things. You hope McDuffie showed some things. You hope that the, that all these young defensive backs, that something begins to break through. But really, the growth between your first year and your second year, having the break, being able to work with the conditioning staff, being able to get into the game plan, going through a whole offseason of OTAs and whatnot, like that's when we're going to see the fruit of this draft class, the fact this draft class carried a team to the Super Bowl after year one, I'm just thinking you got Trent McDuffie, who's already won a Super Bowl. You've got Jalen Watson, who's already won a Super Bowl. Joshua Williams, who's already won a Super Bowl. Now you've got, I mean, it's even true second-year players. Nick Bolton, you could just go on and on and on and on. And I guess I'm just thinking, how in the world can anyone or is anyone ever going to pick against the Kansas City Chiefs at this point, 
because now not only do you have a young foundation that's already won, but you now you have another 10 or 12 draft picks this year. You're going to have 50 to 70 million in cap space uh, when all is said and done. I, like, what do you what do you do there? What what do you do? I, I mean, it, it's just it's it's absurd. It's just it's absurd. That's all you can yeah. say is this was supposed to be the Bills Super Bowl on paper. The Bills went all in first year or last year before Josh Allen's contract really kicks in. This was their year. The Chiefs stole their Super Bowl. That's the way I look at it. Yeah, the, the, the Chiefs are are poised for the future. I mean, the sky is the limit. I mean, Willems make it again. I, I mean, I'm trying to make some rookie puns here. It's very difficult. Uh, Sky Moore was the easiest one. Yeah, that was the easiest one. Yeah, Pacheco. Uh, <laughs> but but seriously, like, think about it. Isaiah Pacheco, yeah, leading yeah. rusher in this game, seventh rounder. Hey, Jalen Isaiah, Watson. Isaiah again. These rookies are great. Isaiah, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Keep going. <laughs> George, can you feel this? I mean, it's just absurd. Karloff has played a ton of snaps in this game. Watson, Williams, McDuffie, the starting corners outside of Snead. It's just, I can't get over the fact that the majority of these snaps, I don't want to say majority. I have to do this actual snap count. A lot of the snap counts were from rookies, from young guys and second-year dudes. It's incredible. Uh, You just mentioned the Bills. Let's let's go to buy or sell, because I to you know to me the Chiefs are going to be incredible going forward. Uh, there are a few other teams that I think you could place in their general tier. We just watched a fantastic Eagles team. I think they'll be back. I, Jalen Hurts is the real deal. It's a loaded roster. They've got the experience. Sirianni's Sirianni's the right guy. Like they'll be back. I think the Bengals are always going to be good. You know, they've won three of the last four against the Chiefs. You you can't slight the Bengals too much at this point. And the Bills, you, you've brought up the Bills a couple of times. So let's play a little bit of buy or sell in the future. I want to ask you about the contending status of these teams going forward and the confidence index that you have in them. So I just brought up the Eagles, um, but let me ask you. Like look, surveying sort of the future of the NFC, looking at the Eagles and what they showed uh, before. There's, there's a lot of free agents. There's a lot of free agent needs there, but that but that front office has also proven, um, you know, very capable of of restocking the roster um, and making shrewd signings. Do you think we see the? Are you buying or selling the Eagles as 2023 contenders? Um, yes or no. Yeah, I couldn't buy it anymore. I mean, the NFC is horrendous. Jalen Hurts right now, as it stands, is the best quarterback in the NFC. That's not a hot take. Look around the NFC. It's Jalen Hurts. Uh, They have a great wide receiving court with with Devontae Smith, uh, A.J. Brown, and uh, Dallas Goddard. Yeah, some guys in the offensive line. Jason Kelsey, is he retired? Is he coming back? Their O-line is still going to be solid. They'll have a good run game. Defensively, a little different. James Bradbury, I believe, is up for a for a new contract. Hassan Reddick is there. You know, Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox. I think Hargrave is going to be a free agent. Yeah. Um, Darius Slay is there. There's a little more question marks defensively, especially with some of these veteran guys who are a little older. 
Do they come back? Do they retire in Dominican Sue, Linville Joseph? Um, but the Eagles are going to be really good next year. They'll be back. Howie Roseman is 1A, 1B with Brett Veach as best GM in football right now. No doubt in my mind. Again, who else is going to contend with them? The Cowboys? What has Dak Prescott shown besides collapsing? Where else in the NFC are you going to look? Just across to the West Coast, is Matt Stafford going to be healthy and carry the Rams? I don't think so. I mean, the 49ers are the only other real contender, I think, in the NFC. It's just a a poor conference. It's cyclical. They'll get good again. But right now, of the top 10 quarterbacks, I would say nine are in the AFC. This is the Eagles division to lose next year. They'll be back. Let's switch to the AFC. I want to get your thoughts. You know, you brought up that this was the Bills' Super Bowl year. Are you buying or are you selling the Bills then as a serious contender in 23? I think they are third in the AFC. I think they are firmly behind the Bengals now, and I think for sure, obviously, behind Kansas City. Regular season, who cares? Bills might win one. Josh Allen is still a top three talented quarterback. He's he's phenomenal. But again, once that contract hits, what is going to happen? He did not look the, didn't look the same since Brian Dable left. The uh, mistakes came out like they did before Brian Dable, at least when he was a rookie. Man, they have some decisions to make. Stephon Diggs didn't look too happy, did he? Defensively, what's going on with Von Miller? Is he ever going to be the same? Tredavious White didn't look the same. Their safeties right. were getting safeties were getting injured with Micah, uh, Micah Hyde and Jordan Boyer. I, I mean, if there was a team that you could see falling off it might be the Bills. They won't fall off a cliff because I think there's still so much talent with Josh Allen and, surra- and just the surrounding cast. But do they trade Gabe Davis? They are now in the decision-making process that the Chiefs had to go through when it came to when Mahomes' contract hit, who was the casualty? Who was leaving? Who was going to yeah. have to go so we can retool and rebuild this thing? Chiefs did it and won a Super Bowl. Josh Allen and the Bills? Don't think so. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you there. I, I think their defense could actually start to look a little old. Um, or limited coming off that many injuries. You know, you remember, even if you're young, think back to when, like, Juan Thornhill gets sidelined at the end of the year, right, his rookie year, comes back, and you're like, man, he's just never quite the same. And before, a position that looked like it was young and locked up and ascendant is suddenly, uh, now we got to go back, maybe retool, not sure. It's limited at least. The Bills have that at multiple positions now with some guys who are actually getting older, like Von Miller, Trey, Trey White. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, I think maybe given – I mean, depending on who's quarterbacking the Jets, depending on how Miami fares in McDaniel's second year, things could actually get even tougher for the Bills. I'm selling the Bills. I'm selling the Bills. I'm still sold on Josh White – or on Josh Allen. No joshing around on that one. But, uh, yeah, that's what I think. Um, let, what about the Bengals, right? I mean, look, we know they're classless. We know they can make food. We know that whatever. They're a talented football team, and they're very well coached. So let me just put that back on you. Like, what do you think of the Bengals as, as – like, they because they could still say, hey, we won three of the last four. Like, like don't discount us. Um but are you more confident now? Do you feel like they're going to rebound back and could really take over the Chiefs? Like, what's the thought there? Man, uh, 
Burrow's not expensive yet. He's not expensive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, but Burrow has a year left. Uh, two years. No, a year left this upcoming season, I believe, because he was out his first entire season. So he has one year left in that rookie contract. Also, Jalen Hurts only has one year left as well because he was a second round quarterback, yep. not a first round. You don't get the fifth year option. Eventually, T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, they're going to, have to figure that out. Yeah. T. Higgins wants to get paid. And the Bengals front office is not a front office known for large contracts, especially, um, you know, fully guaranteed, or at least a lot guaranteed. Is Jesse Bates, their safety, star safety, is he, is he gone? He's going to want to get paid. Uh, the Bengals are going to have some questions as well. I have less questions about them than I do about the Bills. I think the, the Bengals' future still looks a little brighter. Again, this was the Bills' season, and I think angry, drunken German said it. They shat in their hat. I mean, really, Dr. Susan over here shat in the hat. That's basically what the Bills did. They they went all in. The, the Bengals didn't go all in. The Bengals still have some young talent on that roster, but they're not quite there with Kansas City. They're, they're going to have some, some tougher decisions to make than the Chiefs will. Um, again, I, I think this upcoming season, I was going to have the Chiefs firmly ahead of the Bengals. I think this past season was a little closer because of all the youth on Kansas City. The Chiefs proved that didn't matter. The rookies are no longer rookies for Kansas City, but they're on rookie contracts. To me, it feels like the Chiefs are the clear-cut favorite, and then the Bengals, and then the Bills. We'll see how the free agency and, and, and just draft plays out, but that's how I'm feeling right now. This past season, sure, but again, the rookies are no longer rookies. The Chiefs' defense yeah. especially is going to be much improved. A quick question for you. Let me shoot your shot now. Surprise team who's going to be way better in 2023. And at the end of the year, we're going, yep, didn't see that coming or should have seen that coming. And you can say, I saw him coming. NFC or AFC? I would say Jags, but I feel like the Jags are going to be too popular of a pick. I don't want to go with the Jags then. Uh, This is a good question. Let me think about it. It's going to have to be a team in the NFC realistically. Um, Okay. Maybe the Jets. The Jets would be one. The Lions I've seen right there. Lions are a good one. The only reason why I see that with them is uh, how much do you have faith in Jared Goff? I think their ceiling's limited. Uh, you know, sure. I know their offense was pretty explosive at times this year. I just don't know how much better it's going to be. It's felt like the the best possible scenario with Jared Goff this season. He's not played this good before in his life. Um, I expect some regression from him. Man, that's a good question. It kind of depends where Derek Carr goes. I think Derek Carr is going to the Jets. If I had to put money on it right now, I'm not going to. Um, if Derek Carr goes to the Jets, that's going to be a really good team. They won five games with Zach Wilson. Yeah. If they get if they get an above average quarterback up there, that is a dangerous, dangerous team. Seattle, I can't get behind. I still think Geno Smith, we saw the best of. I think that was the best. Yeah. Um, Giants. Kind of the same thing with Danny Dimes. I, I don't know how much better he's going to be. It's a really good question, Matt. Do you have a team in mind? They have a killer O-line. They've got maybe the league's best rushing attack. If you give Deshaun Watson a full <laughs> offseason to get back into shape, I'm I'm saying this now. He, he, I know he hadn't played for a couple of years, but when Deshaun Watson was – like before he took a couple years off, Deshaun Watson was a top five NFL quarterback. You either have him or you don't. If he can return to form, if 
like if he can work himself back into shape, focus on the right things. Man. I think Watson has every bit of potential to return back to top seven or eight NFL quarterbacks. And if, if you have that, I think that makes you that much better. You're, you're, you're just I relying think- on so much bounce back though from, from him. You're, 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 you're really hoping that he reclaims what he had in Houston. He got a play by set this year, man. But you you already have some pieces. You have Miles Garrett in place. You have a you have some solid secondary players. You've got that rushing attack. You know you got Chubb and and that line. I, I know there's a couple years off, but if he can, and look, I'm shooting my shot. I'm just saying. Sure. If he can, that is going to be a dangerous team in the. I AFC think it's a, a tough division though. Whatever happens with, yep. with Lamar Jackson is obviously going to going to sway this. But the Steelers are getting better. I don't know if Kenny Pickett's the guy, but he's shown some glimpses, right? And obviously yep. the Bengals. I, I think Watson, what I've seen, I don't I don't expect him to return to that form. I just don't. If he does, he does, right? I just don't see that happening. Um, the contract's extremely large. Eventually that's going to have to play a factor in the decisions. Man, I, I just don't see the Browns being contenders. I just, I just don't. I, I get it. I get it. There's some other great nominations in the comments. Jamar Bunker or Jerome Bunker says, if Lamar stays in Baltimore, they may win that division. Yeah. Lamar, his health is is the big X factor. I, that's, a, it's a great call. Uh, yeah. Lucas brought up the uh, the Carolina Panthers, mm. um, as did Nate S. Um, I, that's interesting too because they've got a really interesting young defense. They've got some good young players. If you get like if you get Derek Carr there, that's another spot where Derek Carr, they just put together. A, I like their coaching staff. I like what they've done. Um, yeah, it's gonna be interesting. It's gonna be. I I think there's surprises for next year, and 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 yeah, we'll see. Um, and Tommy Sparks brings up the Rams too. I mean, Stafford's back and McVay's coming back. You can't discount and Super Bowl comes back and, and but and Aaron Donald's back. That team ain't getting any younger. That that team ain't getting any younger. Is OBJ gonna go back too? I mean, it's uh which which by the way, that storyline really just went under the radar. It was so hot. OBJ, 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 and they just yeah. fizzled out. Boy, fizzled go, out. he went nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe he was in the darkness retreat that Aaron Rodgers is headed for. I, I, who knows? <laughs> uh anyway, hey, let's hand out some hardware, my friend. I got questions for you. Here at the end of the episode, we want to talk about um we're going to hand out some postseason hardware for the Kansas Chiefs. Before we do, quick super chat, we'll get to um, NSAIA1 uh, has a super chat. Sterling, where do you think Eric Bieniemy ends up? Oh, the man. new OC for Philly? Whoa. The offensive learning KC could be good for Hertz, but can he get along with the staff? Uh, yeah, what are you thinking on that? So I'll be fully transparent. Thank you for the super chat and, and, and great, great question. Uh, fully transparent. I have zero idea where he's going to go. You, you might think he's going to go to Indy. No, that doesn't look like it. I, there's places where you think he might end up, and it just feels like those those spots are going to going to close. Philly would be very interesting. Very interesting. I, I would think the Eagles would want to have a guy with proven track record of success, someone who's been there. It feels like 
the enemy is not going to be back next year in Kansas City based on what Andy Reid said. Just read him between the lines again. Who knows? We didn't know if he's going to be back this season, but he was. It just feels like he wants the opportunity, and Andy Reid knows that that's what would be best for for Bienemy. I know the Titans were a team that was thrown around for a while. I think the the Eagles though are very intriguing. A run first team. Bienemy loves to run the ball. A great offensive line. The proven track record of success. Man, very intriguing. I think that's a uh, a good one you just threw out there. Yeah. Uh, I'll add this. The, the hottest team linked to Bienemy right now is the Washington Commanders. They've made no, no secret of their uh they've made no secret of their pursuit of him, but as an OC for Ron Rivera. Uh Bienemy, if he leaves Kansas City, is going to have to take either some college coaching job that comes out of nowhere or a lateral move as an offensive coordinator to move forward. It's like in Frogger. When you're leaping forward and you got to jump right or left a couple of times before you can take that next forward, unfortunately, that's what the enemy is going to have to do. It's not fair. It's not fair in any way. We could dive into that, but Sterling hates this whole category, so I'm not going there. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't hate it, but I want to talk about what happened because we have the entire off season to talk about the enemy and his landing spot. We do. It's not that I hate it. It's just, you know what I want to talk about right now? I want to talk about this postseason, the one where the Chiefs are Super Bowl 57 champions, the one where Patrick Mahomes won on one ankle, the one where Butker had the redemption story, the one where Steve Spagnola decided in the first half he had no clue, second half I'm going to be the defensive coordinator I was brought in to be, where Travis Kelsey says I might be the little brother, but I'm the big brother in this game. All right, let's get into it. Let's give us some postseason hardware. Uh, Let's go. Non-Mahomes offensive MVP. Who do you have? Uh, I mean, I don't know how you don't say Travis Kelsey here, right? The guy's a Hall of Famer. And a guy who was already a Hall of Famer just put up his best season yet. What do you do there? What do you do? He, He put that offense on his shoulders several times and carried them. Um, he makes Patrick Mahomes even better than Mahomes already is. The chemistry there is truly special. I I think we all thought when Tyreek left there was going to be the drop-off, and we were proven wrong. And it could sound foolish again to go, oh, well, it'll happen when Kelsey does at least. And And maybe some people have backed off that. Like, well, I learned my lesson with Tyreek. Nothing will ever drop off with Mahomes involved. But I think it will when Kelsey leaves. And that's no disrespect to – to the offense, to Mahomes or whatever. It's just Travis Kelsey is something magical there. Um, I just don't see how anyone else is MVP other than Mahomes um, on offense without naming him. Do, do you have someone else in mind? Super Bowl, I'm going Andrew Wiley. But non-Super Bowl full season, I, I actually might go Joe Tooney. because I, I, Travis Kelsey, obviously, and that's where I was going to go as well. But just to say someone else, I think Joe yeah. Tooney has a real case. Or Creed Humphrey. I think one of those two guys has the best case of they were the regular season offensive MVP that's not named Mahomes or Travis Kelsey. Yeah. Um, Trey Smith got better as the season went on, but he had a few games where he had a little slump. Orlando Brown Jr. obviously got better as the season went on, but not him. 
Joe Tooney, man, he was outstanding all season long, playing with a broken hand at one point. You notice when he was out, the game he missed against the Bengals, that was the game where the offensive line didn't play well. He was the gel. He's the glue. Joe Tooney is the veteran and the superstar. I think that's where I would go, although you can also make the case for Creed Humphrey, one of, if not the best center in football, whatever you want to say, him or Jason Kelsey. Uh, I'd probably lean Creed Humphrey, but also might be a little biased. But Creed Humphrey was amazing. I just think it has to be one of those two guys. Influential. Yeah, yeah I, I'm with you. I'm with you. I, uh, that's great. The offensive line just performed so well, not only in the Super Bowl, but during the season. You know what? Interesting that you just brought up Creed Humphrey because my thought about Creed Humphrey is this. We talk every week about like, Oh, guys, don't forget the joys. We get to watch Hall of Famers in their prime every week. And we're always talking about Mahomes and Kelsey and Tyreek Hill when he was around here. I think I think Tyreek is destined for Canton as well. Chris Jones. Maybe Chris Jones. Maybe Chris Jones if if there are more seasons in him. But let me but then there's like a gap. Be, like there's an age, like there's there's a drop off there. And a lot of these guys are into their late 20s and into their 30s. But Creed Humphrey may be the first emergence from a new crop of guys who are starting, and I know I'm getting ahead of myself, but starting to put together the sort of foundation that could lead to eventual induction into Canton, Ohio, in the halls of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. When a guy is already known as or arguably is the top at his position, when he's just 23 and in his second year in the league, that's the and he's already earned a Pro Bowl, it seems like the kind of position where you're going to be like, yeah, no one's voting for anyone other than Creed Humphrey for Pro Bowl for the next seven years. I mean, it feels like that. Um, we'll see if he's healthy. But if he does, we may be talking about another – Great Hall of Famer right in front of Patrick Mahomes. Uh, savvy drafting by Brett Veach there. And I love that Nick Bolton also just had his coming out party in the Super Bowl because it makes that draft class look that much better. Uh, defensive MVP of the Super Bowl and of the season. Who do you have? Uh, you got, I mean, you got to go Chris Jones. I don't want to say Chris Jones because it's like so obvious. <laughs> Maybe it's not obvious. I guess in a way, I just want to make sure that Legereus Sneed gets his due. I guess that's that's just what I want to say there. But yeah, Chris Jones. It's got to be Chris Jones. What a year! What a leader. Kept it together. The guy's getting paid gargantuan amounts of money, and we're still seeing max effort. Even when he's double teamed, he still gets the job done. He frees it up for everyone else. Um, and you know, Joe Cullen. What great results there! Love it. Love the whole thing. What about you? Yeah, regular season has to be Chris Jones. I mean, dude was literally top three in defensive player of the year voting. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. Uh, Super Bowl has to be Nick Bolton. And frankly, he could have won Super Bowl MVP even without that second touchdown. But if he got that second touchdown, he would have been a lock for Super Bowl MVP. I feel bad for him. Not bad because you won the Super Bowl, but but a little bit because you're like, when is the last time? Nick Bolton's probably ever going to win Super Bowl MVP. You know, like, like if the Chiefs win multiple Super Bowls, probably going to be Mahomes, realistically. 
Bolton really made a case for that. He had a phenomenal game. Again, I talked about it early on, but his job recognizing and diagnosing the RPO that the Eagles run was just outstanding. I I could not get over it, how quick, explosive he looked. That field was a slip and slide for everyone, but not Nick Bolton. Dude wore skates, apparently, because he was skating his way and bringing down the running back. It it was amazing to watch. So Nick Bolton for that game, regular season Chris Jones. uh, But I'm with you. Legereus Sneed needs some love, too. Yeah, love it. What about – this is tough. Who's your rookie – who's your Chiefs rookie of the year for 22? Carl Loftus. Carl Loftus. I think Pacheco is going to be the sexy pick, but running back is always the sexy pick. Or wide receiver. Carl Loftus. Because the Chiefs needed a defensive, uh, defensive end who could start game one, week one. They didn't have time for someone to uh, to just learn on the fly or to, to wait behind a guy. They had to learn on the fly. That was Carl Loftus. Pacheco had the opportunity to sit behind Clyde Edwards-Alaire, to sit behind Jerick McKinnon at times, to grow behind dudes. Carl Loftus did not. I understand seventh rounder versus first rounder. If you want to make the expectations, sure. But I have such immense respect for Carl Loftus growing as the season went on. He was never a liability. He figured it out about halfway through the season. Uh, McDuffie is a good choice, but he was injured, so he missed a good chunk of games. Carl Loftus was available and made an impact. In my opinion, has to be George K. Mm. Uh, I, I would go Trent McDuffie. I would go Trent McDuffie. He missed, the, he missed almost the first half of the season with that hamstring injury. When he comes back, when he comes back, that whole secondary fell into place. The entire secondary fell into place. We started talking about Justin Reed as a positive addition. We started talking about Juan Thornhill as putting it all together. The other rookies began to really like grow, like grow into their roles more and more. Um, I just thought the whole secondary became a positive asset when McDuffie came back and settled into form. And the Chiefs defense really kind of turned it the corner. We're used to the Chiefs defense turning the corner as the season goes on. We're used to growing pains and whatnot. But I think McDuffie's addition off the injured reserve list was such a catalyst there um, that I, that to me, I, I think he I think he deserves that. Uh, really quickly, we keep getting questions about who's going to be the backup quarterback next year. First, don't worry about it. We have a lot of time. We have a lot of time, but if I had to say it'd be Shane Bouchelle. As of now, Shane Bouchelle, we thought he might be the guy this year as the backup. They brought back Chad Henney, uh, and obviously that worked out. That was incredible because Chad Henney had to go into the game, and dude was nails, wasn't overwhelmed. He had a touchdown leading drive in the most influential part of that game where the Chiefs were getting bulldozed. They were getting bullied. And what happened? Chad Henney drove 99 yards for the touchdown as the crowd screams, Henney. That was impressive. Without Chad Henney, the Chiefs probably don't win the Super Bowl. Fun fact for you. But I I would say it's probably Shane Bouchelle. Unless the Chiefs want to go the veteran route, which Andy Reid likes, is Chase Daniel coming back. Blaine Gabbert. Ooh, M-I-Z. What about Drew Locke? Let's just keep the Mizzou theme going. (laughs) Uh, Look, if you want to know what the Chiefs are going to do at quarterback, think about this. You have a team destined to play in the Super Bowl. You have a team in which every roster spot – 
is very valuable. The fact that they didn't force Shane Bouchelle to go on the practice squad, but kept him on the active roster, even though they never once activated him, tells you we two things. We like this guy, and two, we think other teams like this guy. So I don't want to make him out to be too much. He's an undrafted free agent who's who's played very sparingly in the preseason. But there's something there that the Chiefs like enough to go – we're stashing him for long term, and they used a ro- they wasted a roster spot for the whole year to keep him for this moment. So, uh, Chad Henney's out. The, I I think there's every indication that that's Bouchelle's spot to lose. It doesn't mean it's handed to him. It doesn't mean if something crazy happens and maybe a veteran is available that they didn't expect or a draft pick is possible that they could add a developmental guy, but. I think Andy Reid and this coaching staff likes Shane Bouchelle enough to save him for a year, sit him there as a healthy scratch, and uh, and lose a roster spot for the sake of keeping him for the future. Yeah. Uh, let's get into shrewd move of the year. What is your shrewd move of the year? Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs forced Brendan Daly to move to linebackers coach for the ability to sign Joe Cullen away from the Jacksonville Jaguars. That, Colin Saunders is better with Colin. Chris Jones, Defensive Player of the Year with Colin. Uh, George Karloftis learns on the fly very well with Colin. Carlos Dunlap, I mean, you go on and on. Turk Wharton looked better. Mike Dana, holy hell, what an underrated hero. Um, that defensive line was a Super Bowl defensive line because Joe Colin had a year of influence on this team. I don't know how I don't I don't I don't know any move that I could think of that is a more shrewd acquisition than adding him to the to the coaching staff. Extremely, extremely good point there. Uh I see Kadarius Tony. That's a really good one. Um I think MVS quietly was a good one. I don't want to go with draft picks. Um I don't want to go with Pacheco in the seventh round. I, I we, We've touched on the rookies. It might be obvious, but this was the biggest impact all season long. Juju Smith-Schuster. Mm-hmm. Juju Smith-Schuster was signed for a one-year $3.7 million contract. 3.7 mil. Now, after all the uh, incentives, I think it was closer to $9 because he hit every single incentive in his contract. Yeah. But it was an incentive-laden deal. For a guy on a one-year prove it, and he he proved it. I mean, seriously, what what would the wide receivers in that core look like without Juju this season? I know he missed some games, but they needed him. He yeah. was the miniature Travis Kelsey, the zone beater. Juju Smith-Schuster on that contract, that has to be the most shrewd move, at least player-wise, for the Chiefs. I do love your Joe Cullen, though. Yeah, I, I, I love it. I, I think you're totally right. JSS was such a great addition. I, I love him as as a chief. Um, I know he's like getting hammered right now for putting out that like James Bradbury Valentine joke. Yeah, I um, hate him. By the way, you want to talk about it really quickly because I that that actually irritated me a little bit uh, sure, that Juju sure. would do that. Uh, the Eagles have been the players have been pure class, pure class. Bradbury owned up for that, and he admitted it was a hold, dude 
stood in front of reporters for 20 minutes answering the hardest question of his career and yeah. owned up to it. I, I get talking trash to the Bengals because they talk trash. The Eagles team didn't. I don't like Juju Smith-Schuster doing that. I get it. It's funny. It's clever. But it just looks bad. It just looks bad when, when, when the, the team that, that lost with class and then you're out here trash-talking them, I'm just sitting here thinking, don't do that. There's no need for it. Let's just celebrate. Sure. I, I, uh, I get it. Um, it doesn't matter to me. I, if some people say, hey, if you win, you can say what you want. Sorry, you lose. If you want it bad enough, come back and win. I see that way. I see the do it with class way. You know, some people will say, "Let the, you won the Super Bowl. That's your flex. I get that too. So um, I, I don't really have an opinion about this one way or the other, other than it was a funny Valentine. I mean, it's, I mean, it's funny. I, maybe it's not funny. I don't know. You don't think it's funny. Sterling, we're we're breaking up right now. Hey, uh, last postseason hardware. Just want to ask this: um, what, Did you have a favorite moment or play of the year? Mm. Sky Moore's punt return in the playoffs was definitely, or the punt return in the playoffs was was definitely mm-hmm. probably it for me. That redemption story that culminated in the Chiefs' victory set him up for mm-hmm. success. It was incredible, and I don't think they would have used him unless he was the actual last option, and he was the actual last option. Tony, McCall Harmon both injured. Watson not active in that game. They're like, I guess, Sky, you have some experience. Not good experience, but you have experience. Go out there. And and he made it happen. That, to me, was huge. I just, I just I had just that that feeling of joy inside me for him as a rookie, right? Like, that has to feel so cool. And I just – that was it for me. It made, made me feel good inside. Yeah. Man, that's great. That's a great uh, – that's a great moment. Uh, I got really excited with the Tony punt return too. It's weird to talk about two punt returns as favorite moments, but he'd been so rarely used all game. And then to come in at the end and, and have that moment. I'd have a hard time identifying my favorite moment though. In some ways it was like watching Snow Globe happen just the crazy joy of Andy Reed doing what Andy Reed does and, and coming out with a crazy play. I, that was, um, you know, that was something else. I, I don't know. It's hard for, it's hard for me to say, but it was a magical season. Um, you know, that's for sure. Um, yeah. Anything else you want to add there? Favorite moments? Play? No, I mean, just uh, one last time, how incredible this really was. What a fun ride. I mean, seriously, we started this season off with uh, very high expectations, but I don't think they were the highest possible expectations. We sat here saying, well, look at all these teams that got better. You sit in the offseason, you hear the national media pundits talking about the Chargers for the 11th straight year, how the Raiders got so much better, how the Broncos are going to be so much better with Russell Wilson, how the Chiefs are one of the few teams that have regressed because they lost Tyreek Hill and, and Tyron Matthew. It's just impressive. They were yeah. true underdogs. I take that back. It wasn't true underdogs, but from the grand scheme of things, they were underdogs even until the final game. They were underdogs against the Eagles. They were underdogs against the Bengals when the line came out. And what happened? They're Super Bowl champions. Love it. Love it. Uh, well, that brings us to 
our must list. Uh, Richard, if you want to join us, folks, every week, if you're new to watching or listening with us, you know that at the end of every episode, we close with what we call the must list, which is just anything or everything that we want to recommend at the end of another week. Um, something we, we watch, something we listen to, something we've read. Uh, one time I even recommended Grimace. So I guess anything is possible. But uh, we invite our wonderful producer, Richard, in for uh for take and we all just kind of give what we're into lately how are you doing today richard i'm doing great fellas i'm listening to you guys talk chiefs and we won the chiefs won so that's great <laughs> and the chiefs won well yeah let's let's get into this who wants to go first with their must list this week I'll let's go. go richard the dude with the best mustache honestly all richard right. it's, it's kind of disrespectful the mustache no. is my thing and you just came in here just fucking crushing me let's just admit sterling's got a much better mustache all right guys he he's he's been growing that thing he knows how to grow that thing it's a playoff stash it's getting shaved after the parade wednesday tomorrow is the last day and then the stash goes bye bye Enjoy it while it lasts. All right. I'll go first, but you're going to regret making me go first because I'm going to decide to recommend 1993's underground Australian classic that I love a lot. It's called Bad Boy Bubby. I know it's got a stupid name, but you got to trust me. Every time I play this film for friends who come over and I screen this for them, they go, what the fuck is this? And then after two hours of sitting through it, they are cheering for this guy. Basically, here's the plot. You got Bubby. He's 35 years old. He's my age. He grew up in a basement with his mother. He doesn't know what the outside world is. She's told him the outside is poisonous. You can't leave your home. Eventually, 20 minutes into the film, he leaves his home, and it's just a wacky adventure with a weird man just running around Australia. Uh, he starts a band. He falls in love. He does everything that anyone could do immediately after leaving his basement. It's it's obviously a fantasy, but it's one that I love to enjoy. It's called Bad Boy Bubby. Find it in weird video stores everywhere. <laughs> Love it, love it. It doesn't have any. Um, does it have any actors or or that we'd recognize? Nobody. I mean, Nicholas Hope. <laughs> Nicholas Nicholas Hope is like in in my mind, he's an icon. And every time I see him in in like movies and shows, every once in a while, I'm like, look, it's Bubby. It's Bubby. He's still doing stuff. <laughs> he's Bobby. great. Yeah, he, he should have been. He should have been just as famous as like a Hugo Weaving from like Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. You know, another Australian actor. He didn't get it, but. This movie's awesome, I swear. Just watch it. It's going to be really weird. It's going to be very disturbing. But then you're going to come out crying at the end because it's really sweet. It's the sweetest movie with the most effed up premise. Dude, you need to have an Arrowhead addict screening. Come on. We, we could try to. Well, we could yeah, put we it. Should, we'll, we have we'll, really wide we'll air it in the Discord button. server. We'll air Richard's, it in the Discord server. Yeah, join our Discord and Richard's going to start <laughs> a bad boy Bubby movie club. Sure. If enough if enough Discord members want that, we'll, we'll do it. Love it. Love it. Uh, I'll go. I'll go next. Uh, there's a band called Saint Paul and the Broken Bones, which are like uh, it's like a full band with like full brass. Like it's your typical rock setup with like a bunch of brass too. It's a huge band. They're always dressed to the nines. Uh, they're a killer live boy. They've got a brand new song out called Sea Salt. It's ahead of a brand new album coming out this spring. It's just a great jam, man. You put it on, you have a good time, you make some drinks, you invite some friends over, you're going to have a great night. I, I just think everything they do is always great. Uh, and Sterling, you're actually a fan of them too, right? Yeah, I love St. Paul and the Broken Bones. I had a chance to see them. They did a little small music uh, session. My dad is obviously, he was a DJ as well. Um, 
he loves music and he was donating to this radio station and they would have these bands who, when they were smaller, bring him through for these little showings, right? You know, you pay some money a month, whatever it is, and you, you'll get a little showing from some bands and St. Paul and the Broken Bones were one of the bands that stopped by and it was a little acoustic set with the trumpets and, and saxophone, but it was phenomenal. So St. Paul and the Broken Bones, I love them. My girlfriend loves them. My whole family loves them. If you've not checked them out, Matty, I'm with you, dude. They're so good. Yeah, yeah. They're just great. What's yours, brother? Uh, mine's a little different. Very more on the hard rock side of things. It's Blackstone Cherry, their first album, Blackstone Cherry. I really like it. It's different. It's not just your typical new hard rock. Uh, this album came out, I believe, in 06. Um, not metal, but the hard rock genre, a little bit of double bass, but not a ton, no screamo. I just think they're very, very talented and fun to listen to. The drummer is a badass. A lot of interesting uh, drum beats he gets into, a lot of fun fills. So I'll go with uh, Blackstone Cherry's first album, Blackstone Cherry. Mm. You know who else is a fun fill? Dr. Phil. That's a fun fill. Anyway, right. uh, you've been listening to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. My name is Matt Connell. Just take us out of here because my puns are so bad. Um, look, folks, what a great what a great season! You all have been awesome. Thank you so much for listening to anything we do. Um, I speak for everyone, including Matt Verderam, who I'm going to hug sometime in 2023. We love you all. Thanks so much, and uh, yeah, we'll see you next week as we begin to break down another off season before another Super Bowl run for the Chiefs. We'll see you later. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.